On this edition of Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast, we look back at the Arizona State game, look ahead to this week's game at Rice-Eccles Stadium between the Utes and Oregon. Amy Donaldson catches up with former Ute John Frank in our Utah by Five segment. This and more on the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast. This is former pollster and Utah alum David Spadafore, 45-year lobbyist at the Utah State Legislature. And you and I are both listening to the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast. It's going to be great. Dirk Facer, Amy Donaldson, Mike Sorensen, and Trent Wood, the amazing foursome. Go Utes! All right, welcome to another edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast. Dirk Facer, Amy Donalds, and Trent Wood here to talk a little football. Uh, Utah coming off a big loss at Arizona State. Trent, they didn't look good in any phase of the game, did they? And uh, obviously losing quarterback Tyler Huntley was huge. I mean, you could argue their special teams was good because they got away with uh, the bad play. A penalty took it away. But offensive and defensively, they were pretty bad. Yeah, I will concur. I will have nothing to add because it was a pretty um, depressing, uh, depressing showing. Really, I, I don't. I was really disappointed in the line, both lines. I mean, I have. I thought they really had hit their stride, and that was kind of their foundation. And it seemed to crumble. Well, and it all fell apart there. Well, you know, that's what Kyle Whittingham said after the game was that you know the line got pushed around, which is very rare for Utah's line to get pushed around. Ah, yeah. Very astute and observant of you, Amy. You and Kyle oh. Whittingham on the same way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kyle and I are like two minds locked as one. So, <laughs> um, What do you guys think? Uh, losing Tyler Huntley, obviously they had that four-game win streak. Everything looked good. I think people were starting to make Rose Bowl plans and everything. I was. And then things got a little stinky all of a sudden on that Rose front. Uh, I know. Can they still, I mean, obviously, mathematically, they can still get there, but they need Arizona State to lose a game, which I think is possible with a yeah. season-ending game against Arizona. But uh, is all lost losing Tyler Huntley, Amy? It's not lost, um, but you're talking about, um, you know, basically the captain, you know, the, the guy who, from which everything kind of flows, the offensive rhythm has changed. And I don't know how much Jason Shelley is like Tyler Huntley, right? So I don't know. Um, they don't seem to have super similar styles, but they're not super different either. Not like completely diametrically opposed types of quarterbacks. Um, I think that um, it just brings a level of uncertainty that, you know, you sort of didn't have. You have this confidence with Tyler there. He has experience. He's been down. He's been, he's brought them back. He had those four games. Um, so I just, I just think people have a lot of confidence and faith in Tyler and, and, you know, right now, the only people with that kind of confidence and faith in Jason are on his team. Trent, did you feel like that things deflated as soon as he got hurt? Did you feel like the Utes just packed it in? I mean, I think it's inevitable because they're human, which sometimes we forget about football players is they're human. And this guy who's their their leader, like Amy talked about, went down and it was clearly a bad injury. I mean, I think it's obvious. Their defense was actually not playing horrible mm-hmm. until the fourth quarter when he was out. And then they just basically stopped doing anything. And I, I mean, you can point to just like the emotional toll that losing their quarterback put on them. What about the defensive struggles? I mean, everything was going well and then all of a sudden they give up 38 points. And obviously Arizona State has some very talented 
offensive weaponry. And uh, was that the reason, or why do you think the defense played so bad? I mean, I think there's a lot that went into it. You could talk about the deflation of losing Tyler Huntley. You can talk about those three players for Arizona State. I know that the defensive struggle started started early. They had a targeting call on Philip Afia, and I actually got to write about that th- this week, and I talked to Philip about it, and he just explained kind of how miserable it is to, to be ejected for targeting. What happens in the locker room after you're ejected? So, like, what do you do? Are there TVs in the locker room? Do you watch the game? What can you do? Um, you pretty much just have to go in there, get undressed, shower up, and then you can watch the game in the locker room, but I mean, they had a TV in there, but it was like at least a TV from like 1995. Like, <laughs> like it was like about 12 inches, okay. tiny screen, blurry vision. You couldn't even really watch the game, so I just watched it and it on my phone if I could. Okay, but yeah, it was kind of sucks just to sit in there and yeah. watch it not be able to help the team at all. Yeah, rumor has it like visiting locker rooms suck. I'm sure, like, is that true? Yeah. Um, it depends. What some like some places are nicer than others. Like ASU are locker rooms. It was it was too bad. It was whatever. But like some of like Rose Bowl, like where we play UCLA. Yeah. Nice. Like Stanford has a nice way stadium and stuff. Like it just depends where you're at. Okay. So I mean, emotions when you're waiting for that call. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Like you always know, like it's, it's, there's no like warning. It's either you're gonna be in the game for the rest of it, or you're gonna be out for the rest of the game, maybe yeah. next week. So, so it's tough. You just kind of just have it, just wait for your heart to drop, or you just hopefully you can stay. And so it's like a real gut wrenching kind of feeling. How long is the walk back to the locker room? Oh, it's, it's, it's terrible, especially at an away stadium because all, all the fans are just. You know, they're, tra- they're trying to get in your head, but I can care less about what they're talking about. But it's, just, it's just a long walk all the way back, and then you just have to think. And then since it might happen so early, like, I had a whole lot of game to watch. Yeah, so, for sure. I mean, yeah. the bright spot is you don't have to miss another Exactly, this is coming up week, so I'll be nice. We'll to get back in there. But, I mean, when we think of, like, the whole defensive struggles as a whole, I mean, everything was bad. The linebackers weren't filling their gaps. The line, like Amy talked about, weren't they weren't doing much. The secondary was not wrapping up. They had multiple times where they could have tackled Nikhil Harry, and he just bounced off them. It was just a bad performance. Amy, you saw the game. Nikhil Harry, obviously, an NFL talent. Yeah. Well, was he it simply a man among boys, <laughs> that game? Well, that's hard to say because if he's playing against the defense that that showed up at you know during that four game win streak I don't think he looks that good right I don't think he makes uh, I think some of those catches uh don't happen but I think in in part because you have a line that's putting pressure on the quarterback almost constantly right and and so and 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 making their run game almost non-existent they've been really really good at defending the run game and so I just I think it was just a collision of um a, a lot of problems in the same way and a bad matchup we've talked a lot about matchups and they were able to um, expose those, and Utah didn't. They didn't recover. Good points. Well, let's jump back to the offense. Talk about Jason Shelley. Obviously, he's a highly touted uh, high school player from Texas. Redshirted with the Utes last season. Saw very limited action this year until he's thrown into duty. Um, you guys were both at camp and that. Amy, <laughs> what do you think? Is, can Jason Shelley step into these shoes and take over? Well, yeah, I think whether or not I think he can, <laughs> he has to. Um, no, I think he's. I think he's a really talented kid. I think he's a really confident kid. Um, you know, you guys didn't get to interview him this week, but he carries himself well. He, the guys like him. They're friends with him from from a, all accounts from other people. He's worked hard. He's studied hard. He's worked hard. He's tried to be as good as he can be, and and he's not. He's not um, 
you know, sitting back going, oh, Tyler's got this and I'll just I'll take over next year or whatever. He's, he's worked really hard. So I think he earned the backup spot, and I think that says something about him, and we'll get to find out what exactly it says in this game. It is. Trent, obviously, people say, well, he hasn't done anything. But you know what? He knocked Jack Tuttle out of the rotation. I mean, that's how good he is, and obviously in practice. I love it when all of us reporters, you know, things are so closed these days that we yeah. don't see a lot of practice, and yeah. people say, oh, so-and-so looked good in practice and all that. Really, we saw wind sprints for, for, the, <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. And they the looked good part. when they Boy, did those runs. Shelly was running past Tuttle like crazy. <laughs> but, you know, but obviously just the mere fact that he ran Jack Tuttle off tells you something, doesn't it? Yeah, and I mean, I know we saw very limited of yeah. that fall camp. But I feel like one of the reasons Jason Shelley won was he was not turnover prone. And Jack Tuttle would throw interceptions. And Jason Shelley did not do that. And I have to imagine that that's something that they're going to rely on. And maybe they're going to play a little bit more conservative with him and run the ball more. But he showed the ability to not mess up. Right. And, you know, and he's a better fit for the offense, obviously, yeah. being a dual threat guy rather than Tuttle, who's more of a drop back passer that makes <laughs> a big difference. Um, you know, the other thing, I had a chance to actually go to the game down in Tempe, and I got to talk to Jason Shelley a little bit after the game, and he was kind of ticked off with his performance. You know, he's kind of almost, without saying it, saying, that isn't who I am. You know, and he was thrown into a bad situation and things were getting ugly, but he's determined, and he's, you know, like every backup quarterback, he says, you know, he prepares every week as if he's going to be the starter. Yeah. He's ready for his opportunities, and I don't know if the game just came too fast or if there was just to a mountain of things that were going against the Utes at ASU that he was thrown into that situation. But I think we're going to see a different Jason Shelley against Oregon on Saturday. I think he's going to be prepared and ready to go. And uh, the numbers he put up in and high school were line, fantastic. Hopefully his line yeah. does as well. So when your line plays well, the quarterback looks so much better. <laughs> right. <laughs> so much. You know, and I think being called out publicly like the line was, yeah. you know, Whittingham rarely calls out a position group like that. But when he says that they got pushed around and, and things, they're going to take that personally. And that's why I, you know, I kind of think this, uh, game Saturday, I think Utah's going to bounce back. I think they're ticked off right now, and I think their coach is ticked off. And, you know, I know that's normal in sports and all that, but it's But Utah rare. seems to do well in the old underdog spot, right? right? They, like they never play from the front. They're always like that racehorse that likes to get two or three lengths behind and then come back. <laughs> right. So I, they like this us against the world. You guys all doubted us. Nobody believed in us, and we did it. So that's sort of their ammo. Well, talking about coming back, let's talk about Francis Bernard, the BYU transfer. Obviously, uh, five tackles against ASU. They used more of a three-linebacker set at times, obviously, just based on what ASU was showing. But he got an opportunity to, to play extensively in, in talking to him this week. You know, he mentioned it was nice to, to be able to show that he can play football again. And he talked about his interception against UCLA and his five tackles against ASU. He's still going to have a hard time cracking uh, into that lineup, especially in a two-linebacker set to unseat Chase Hansen or Cody Barton. But, uh, Chad, what do you think? Is he uh, is he making that move? And, and I kind of think it's all gearing up to next year because I think they're going to count heavily on him next year. Yeah, I mean, I think that next year is the time for him to shine. This year, obviously, he's behind Chase Hansen and Cody Barton, and he's just not going to pass them. But he clearly played well against ASU in the time that he played, and he, he continues to get more comfortable with the team, which I think is one reason why we got to talk to him this week, is he's just more a part of the team than he ever, ever has been before. Yeah, and, you know, he's pretty knowledgeable and all that. Uh, 
uh, the affairs of on the offense, especially about Jason Shelley. He's confident Jason Shelley can come in because he goes against him in practice and such. The other thing is in a couple weeks, the Utes and the Cougars are going to square off. And, of course, Francis Bernard will be a popular guy that week. <laughs> uh, I tried to pinch a few questions out of him to talk about the rivalry game and and here's what he had to say, or didn't have to say. Are you looking ahead at all to the Utah-BYU game? I, I'm, I'm excited for it, but uh, like I said, you know, Oregon's our biggest focus, but I'm excited. Uh, when you look ahead to the game, have you been watching the Cougars and the, um, keeping track with your friends no, down there? Yeah, I think more so just to see, like, you know, I still have a really good friend down there, Shani Takitaki, okay. my best friends. I just kind of keep tabs on him. Um, but I don't really watch the games like exclusively. Just more so, hey, like I hit my buddy up and see how they did. So, no regrets. No regrets. Zero. All right. As obviously, he's excited about the game, but his focus is on Oregon, as he said, and that's uh, that's kind of where we're going at this point, guys. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Pac-12 South. Obviously, Utah relinquished the driver's seat without loss. They need Arizona State to lose a game. But Utah's got a couple games they need to win, and obviously this Oregon game uh, with Justin Herbert and that is going to present a big challenge. I mean, last time the Ducks came to town, they broke Utah's heart with that late play, and if you if you get on the Internet and look at that, you'll see a, uh, a handsome yet a little bit chubby guy standing right in front <laughs> of where the play took place. I, I was able to get in several newspapers that week. Uh, and I'm glad I wasn't scratching my head or picking my nose or doing if, anything if like that. If you bring a print of that photo, Dirk will sign it for you at the next at this Oregon game. And then I'll ask you why. <laughs> and I'll ask you why twice. But no, it, it should be an interesting game. But obviously right now the uh, the division's going to be uh, you know, won or lost by a single game. I mean, one more trip up by the Utes and it's over. And I guess obviously they're hoping Arizona State will trip up as well. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw Instead, Chantel Jennings say. wrote an article for The Athletic about how it is very possible that every team in the Pac-12 South finishes with four losses. And so it's very possible to have a six-way tie in the Pac-12 South. So at this point, I mean, it's it's anybody's it's anybody's division. Utah still has good, as good a chance as anyone. Well, and that's what's funny about trying to analyze it week to week, because week to week, it's like, it's like a completely different scenario, right? It's just, you're talking about mathematics and what ifs, and it's not, it's just, it really, if you're a coach, it's the perfect situation because there's always hope. Um, if you're a fan, it's maddening. <laughs> or if you're us trying to plan, do we want to buy tickets for something? It's, you know, it's hopeless. You're going to be buying them the day for, day before. Yeah, and, you know, and I, I don't sense the Utes are going to lose another game. I, I think they'll beat Oregon and Colorado. I, I'm not really. What the, about the Cougars? The, you know, and <laughs> what about that game? And that, we'll get to that, too, because no, how important that is that game? It could have an impact on bowl selection, right? It could, but yeah. then if Utah wins the division, what's yeah. the incentive? But, you know, the interesting thing is with that Arizona, Arizona State game being that last weekend, Utah may not know what's going on as far as their Pac-12 championship game hopes until they play BYU and, you know, Oh, Depending I, what time that game kicks off, could that be deflating before they even take the field? That they did it, you know, they beat Colorado, they beat Oregon, and now, oh, you don't get to go anyway because Arizona State won out. Oh, go out and beat the Cougars now. I mean, are they going to be able to jump up and do that? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think so. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a, little, a game they'll be excited for. Yeah. A little far. Speaking of getting excited for, let's throw another plug in for the Salt Lake Stallions. Uh, professional football coming to Rice Eccles Stadium, the home opener, February 23rd against Arizona. If you want season tickets or tickets, just call 1 833 AAF 2019 or go to com. Back to college football now. Let's break down Oregon just a little bit, guys. Trent, what do you see from this Oregon team? Obviously, uh, 
people think of the great Chip Kelly Oregon teams. It's not the same Oregon anymore, but they're not that bad either. <laughs> no, they're not bad. I mean, Justin Herbert, everybody talks about him as he would be the first quarterback taken in the NFL draft if he were to declare. He uh, probably isn't going to declare, but if he did, he'd be the top quarterback taken. I know that Mario Cristobal, a lot of Utah fans probably don't know who he is, but he played at Miami. He coached under Nick Saban. He's a big offensive line coach. He wants to bring that ground and pound. We're going to dominate defensively and we're going to dominate the line of scrimmage to Oregon. And I think you're seeing that transition now. Is they're trying to transition from that Chip Kelly team to a more Alabama-esque team. Do you think they made the right decision? Is that the way to go? I mean, I think they didn't have a ton of choice. When your newly hired coach leaves after a year, it kind of sticks you in a hard position. He's doing so well at Florida State. Doing so well. But I think, I mean, Mario Cristobal did great when he was at FIU, I believe, before he things started to unravel for him. So I think they just stuck with continuity and hope that it all worked out. Amy, what do you think the Utes have to do to get by the Ducks? Uh, well, they have to do what they were doing when they were on a four-game win streak. And that is, they honestly, the line play, and I've been harping on this all the time, they have to be themselves. So that ground and pound game you talked about, that's what Utah, that's how they've made their living. That's what brought them to this point. That's what has made them successful. And they go away from that, and it's a problem. But really, it all comes down to whether or not the offensive line can, can help and support a young quarterback in his debut, his home debut, and um, and and can he take over this team? You know, I think the guys are willing to be led by him. They're good guys. They care about him, and he works hard. So it's just a matter of giving him confidence. I think if he has some success early, um, whether or not that if Moss gives him a little breathing room or um, a combination of Shine and Moss, and then he can connect with one or two of his receivers, I think you're going to see a, a pretty confident, pretty effective offense. Is this an elimination game? Are all hopes lost for a Pac-12 championship appearance if they lose this game Saturday? No, because of the craziness. I don't, I don't think you could say I said that about RSL, and look at me, you know. Crow, crow What's I RSL? Was a, <laughs> <laughs> a different football. <laughs> <laughs> different kind of football. Trent, so, what do you, I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's an elimination game? No. You, you mentioned the craziness, and Amy did too, but, I mean, you can keep, you honestly You see? keep glossing over Oregon, and ASU goes to Oregon before they play Arizona. So it's really possible ASU has two more losses in them. It's possible Remember, that, Oregon beat Washington. Yeah. So they're not bad. They should have beaten it's Stanford at home. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I expect there to be significantly more losses. It's just nobody has proven they're better than anybody else. Stop trying to cause trouble. Uh, do you, it's better than everyone else, <laughs> Or the Utes, uh, or do you, did the Utes already have more losses than you anticipated going into the season? Because I think they do. Yes, yes. I think three is reasonable, though. I think three losses is not something that people would have looked at at the beginning and been like, that's crazy. But the um, fact is, it's now they're in that position where they can't lose anymore they, to have three losses. But they could potentially lose another and still win the division. So Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think it, losing another loss is going to be a pretty significant mental blow. Yeah. So. I mean, that's what my next yeah. question was going to be. I mean, do they just need to do it to do it? I mean, avoid any more losses because they are a very talented team, probably one of the more talented Utah teams ever. And uh, right now they are kind of got their backs against the wall. And as Amy said, they love that situation. Yeah, well, we talked about this, that one of the things about talent and potential is staying healthy, right? And how one wrinkle, one one uh, injury here or there, right? So they, they've had some injuries to their linemen, right? Injured in that, changed their offensive line and their defensive line at different times during the season. And now it's changed 
change the quarterback situation. So I think that's football, and they have to figure it out, and Kyle would say there's no excuses on that. But I think you have to remember when you just look at the talent and say, oh, we're so talented, they're so talented, they should do well. Um, but you have to remember that it's, there's, so, there's matchups, there's are you guys healthy, and then, and then the mixture of those two things. So I think that's where, for me, it's not, it should be. I would not be surprised if this is a runaway Utah win because one, the one thing these coaches are really good at is coaching from this you know, terrible place to, to a, a, a big, you know, to get to a better place. But I think that uh, I would not be surprised also if they lost. Trent, this last thing before we go to our pickums. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are thinking if Utah just hands the ball to Zach Moss 30-plus times, if he can hand, you know, 30 to whatever, that that's the key to success this week. And you talked about how Oregon likes to, you know, ground and pound. But can Utah win with that same sort of uh, attitude this week, especially with a new quarterback? I mean, if I had to guess the plan, I would guess the plan is to go heavy with Zach Moss and then try some play action and some easy throws for Jason Shelley. And then maybe if he starts getting into a comfort, you can maybe test out Oregon's defense. But I think everybody expects it to be Moss on the ground. I, I agree. I expect it to be moss on the ground, and it better be moss on the ground or it's going to be trouble. But secondly, I would like to predict one trick play by my friend and yours, Britton Covey. That is probably going to happen. Let's call him the Britton Covey. The, just Britton. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, we're going to jump down to our Pac-12 South Pickums. Our special guest this week is Tyler Howell, president of the Salt Lake Stallions. Just a reminder that you can get season tickets by calling one eight three three aaf 2019 or go to com. Tyler, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. I understand you got a game February 23rd against Arizona. Why don't you tell us uh, what's going on with that? And uh, imagine you want to have a big crowd for the opener. Absolutely. First game ever. We hope to cool down the hot shots from Arizona. Well, let's do it. Rick Neuheisel's coaching that team, yep. as you said. And then Coach Dennis Erickson coaching uh, Salt Lake. And Ute fans are familiar with him and what he's done. And uh, I imagine you're excited to have him as the head coach of your team. Oh, we're thrilled. Very confident with what he'll be able to do for us. That guy knows football better than any of us put together so absolutely he's probably yeah, as he they knows say, what he's doing he's forgotten more than we know yeah, right absolutely. one of those kind of guys yes. well yeah. let's jump in and do our pickums uh let's start with ucla at arizona state um after what arizona state did to the utes i think you got to pick the sun devils trent yeah i can't disagree with you asu is going to win this <laughs> you say that with such enthusiasm but <laughs> i am going to concur that asu is going to win what do you think as a guest i can't disagree right out of the gate so <laughs> i'm going to go with you asu Wins this it's one. hard to be on a Utah podcast and pick against the team that just beat the Utes. <laughs> it's right? it's right. rough. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there'll be a crowd waiting for you outside if you did. Uh, Washington State at Colorado. I'm going to continue my theme that Colorado is a fraud. They never were that good. And Washington State has a lot to play for, so I'm going to go with the Cougars. Trent? Now I'm going to be excited and enthusiastic. I'm going to say Colorado's going to pull off the massive upset and ruin the Pac-12's playoff hopes. And I'm going to disagree with you. Usually I go with you on that That's train, okay. that upset train, but I'm going to, I'm going to drink from the same Kool-Aid uh, and go with Washington State. Tyler, what do you think? I've been up in Portland the last 15 years, so the Washington State, I know them. Mike Leach knows what he's doing up there, and I think they win this big time. So we got a guy from the Pac-12 footprint picking some games with us. That's I like right. That. <laughs> All right. All right, let's jump into Cal at 
USC. Um, I'm not drinking the Cal Kool Aid. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to USC poison. again. <laughs> yeah, I got to go USC. I don't want to agree with you, but I'm going USC. <laughs> uh, and I do want to agree with you. It's, it's USC. Tyler? We need USC to lose, so I'm going to go with Cal on this one. That would be helpful They're for the youth. Upset. I'll, I'll go different because we need USC to lose. They've He's going from the heart schedule. there. Yeah. Uh, and Mr. Clay Hilton might be looking for a job if he loses this one. That's right? true. Or he might be looking for one anyway at the end of the year. <laughs> we'll see. Oregon at Utah, the big one. Uh, I've said for a couple of weeks now that I didn't think Oregon was uh, nearly as big a hurdle as Arizona State was for the Utes. And that Utah ran right into that hurdle and hit him right in the forehead last week. So I'm going to take Utah to bounce back and beat Oregon by two touchdowns. I think this is the hardest Utah game to pick this season. I'm going to go with Oregon. What's your address, Trent? I'm Trent, not telling you. Trent, you're really Debbie Downer today, man. You you're know, like, it's, just, it's just one of those days. <laughs> he's uh, really taking that loss hard. <laughs> he is. Let's bury the Utes. Okay. Okay. I I was there. I was with you after the Washington State loss, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be optimistic after the elections last night. I'm feeling a little more optimistic, and I'm gonna say that uh, that Utah wins. And I don't think they're gonna win by two touchdowns. So I think it's gonna be closer than that. Another close yeah, one. Yeah, I, I think there's gonna be some some give and take and. Maybe a, maybe more turnovers than Kyle would like, but it's going to be it's going to be Utah. All right, Tyler, you revealed your Oregon roots, so nothing. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not going to be happy with me up there in Oregon, <laughs> but I've got to go with Utah on this one. I I think they don't have Oregon doesn't have any tape on the freshman, and right. I'm going to hope that plays to their advantage and that the defense steps up and takes care of them. I think it'll be a close game, but I think the home crowd will take care of it and will pull away at the end. Did you get a chance to go to any games up at Dotson when you were up there? And Oh, yeah. That's quite a just that's a good is. atmosphere. I was first year up there, I went there, and I made the mistake of wearing a red shirt. We were playing Stanford, <laughs> and so they loaned me a, a yellow shirt to fit in so I didn't get killed. Well, the only thing worse would be wearing an orange shirt Yeah, up there, now right? I, I get my red shirt back, and I'll fit right in now. Good. Well, I'm impressed. Anybody that can fit in a shirt that they wore years earlier, I'm all for it. So. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> uh, before we go, I uh, understand... Uh, Fans can call 1-833-AAF-2019 or go to saltlakestallions.com to buy some season tickets. And uh, imagine uh, they're available now and you'll want to sell them. Absolutely. Give us a call. We'll take good care of you. What, what can fans expect from this uh, from this league? I think there's a lot of rumors out that it might be like a G League for the NFL or an experimental league or, or some offshoot or whatever. If you had to define what kind of football is coming to Salt Lake, and I understand Salt Lake's the only cold weather city in the league, right? So right. Maybe you could just expound on what what's coming. The big thing is it will be a complimentary league to the NFL. So we're not going to try to compete with them. Uh, that doesn't work. We're going to have high-level professional players, uh, former college guys, NFL guys, people that you guys will know, uh, names that will be recognizable. And it'll be a high level of football that will take place right after the Super Bowl and really just give us 12 more weeks of football. Awesome. And I understand there'll be some Utes and some Cougars and some Aggies and maybe some Weber State Wildcats. Or I don't know who you're going to get, but there'll be some any, local emphasis. Any, right? any names you can give us? Yeah, if you go on our website, the roster's right there. But we've got some names that you'll understand with 
Matt Asiata. Uh, handsome. I won't try to announce his last name because I won't do that handsome, right. But that, that's a one If you have a name like, like Handsome, yeah. you don't need any other names. Exactly. <laughs> even a guy like me could be handsome with that name. So, uh, And Will Davis, my fellow Aggie up Utah State, are some of the big names that will be with us. Sweet. Well, I look forward to that and appreciate you coming in and joining us today. All right. Appreciate it. Now we're going to move on to our Utah by Five segment. Amy Donaldson caught up with former Ute great NFLer John Frank. I'm Tom Barberi, and it's time for Utah by Five, where we catch up with the people who built the program we love. All right. John Frank. Happy to have you on Utah by Five. Thank you so much. Um, let's start with, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, your history. Tell us what years you played and, um, and uh, your defensive end. Did you play other positions? At uh, the university, I was just yeah. a defensive end. I arrived there in 95 yeah. uh, after serving a mission and then uh, redshirted. Um, I was wanting to be a linebacker or a tight end, but Coach McBride and uh, Coach Kafusi and... and uh, and Kyle Whittingham wisely said, hey, we want, we want you to be a defensive end. And they knew what they were talking about. So. Then they gained some weight, I assume. And they gained a little bit of weight. <laughs> a lot of bit of weight. Yeah. About, about a, well, I think it equated to about a pound and a half a month if you, if you do five years. Yeah. So well, whatever that is. What was your reaction to, being, to changing positions? Because a lot of guys come into college thinking, I'm going to be a quarterback, Chase Hansen, and now we want you to be a safety. Oh, wait, we want you to be a linebacker. Right. I mean, back then, I don't think it was like very as common. Yeah. You know, we're talking about you had to have a really good memory. Do you remember when I played? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in 1999 was the last year, draft in 2000. Yeah. But uh, no, the reaction was one of surprise because you, know, you always think, players are a little prideful like I am a linebacker I am a whatever you know yeah. and so I remember the day when Steve Capusi came into the training room I was getting my ankles taped I remember like it was yesterday yeah. he said John and he was like a father figure to me too just and I still love him so much and, uh, and the Capusi family and put his arm around and said you know we, we really think it's in your best interest to uh, play defensive end we think you're going to have a future there I thought you're crazy yeah. the first thing that popped in my mind is exactly what you said I have to look like that guy <laughs> who's, who weighs, you know, 275 pounds. And at the time, I was like 215 or whatever. And you're going to go against offensive linemen who tend to run even more than a defensive lineman. <laughs> yeah, they weigh 300 plus. Yeah. But anyway, they, they knew what they were talking about. So Okay. So you agreed to it. Why? Because? Because. Your affection for the coaches? Yeah, well, yeah, you should agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, it's okay, like if, I, if I didn't agree, it'd be like, okay, well, you'll never play. Okay. You know, so you want to see playing time, and uh, and then I, you know, it started to work out. You know, um, some guys were in front of me that I knew they were going to graduate, and so I had, you know, just started doing the math. So in a couple of years, maybe I'll get a chance, you know, to be a starter or whatever. And so by my um, sophomore year, I was able to, um, you know, fortunate to be able to to, to start on the team. So yeah. it was a little heavier yeah. at that time. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And so, uh, what did you learn from your experience in college? Oh boy, and so much. Do you still use now, or just uh, yeah. not gain weight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm trying to go the other way now. Um, you know, so many things. I mean, so many great mentors, right? I mean, Coach Whittingham was a defensive coordinator. Coach and Coach Anderson was my defensive line coach, along with Steve Kafusi. And so, I mean, talk about great guys to learn from. And then, as far as the team camaraderie. Um, obviously, it's it, like we talked about earlier before the interview. It's cliche, right? I mean, yeah. the, all the team concepts, and that's what I love about the sport of football is it just. I mean, there's there's no. Well, here I go again. There's yeah. no there's no individual in, individualism. There shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, and all those guys kind of embody that, and they. And I felt like they instilled that. I mean, I, I try to. 
I, I try to, you know, take those to heart and apply them when I can. But yeah. <clears throat> there's there's so many things. It's almost innumerable. innumerable. <laughs> yeah. Is there? Um, Excuse me. Uh, <clears throat> you were drafted, but you did you leave or, or get cut? So I was drafted in 2000. Yeah. And then. And then in 2001, I was with them, mm-hmm. with the Eagles. And then uh, 2002, I was, I was I bounced around from the Eagles, uh, Giants, and the Jets for about three or four years, and then went to Canada. Okay. So I, my, my career was basically done in 2005 okay. or something like that, playing. And so yeah. and then I just... Are you glad <clears> you <throat> tried to make a go of it? And you just yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and why? Just because it was fun? Or? Well, because, you know, you know, didn't want to have any regrets. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, I mean, football is kind of a grind. I remember coming out of high school, mm-hmm. even um, at Skyline, and and the U was looking at me and whatever, and I was, I was excited. But to be honest with you, I was like, man, this, I could use a little break. And so the mission was like the greatest thing for me. <laughs> so I came back, had that break, and then I, was, I felt like I was fresh again yeah. uh, to play. So uh, just different perspective. You grow up a little. And um, so that those two years, actually, I was in Spain. I mean, probably, you know, formed uh, my life more than anything. I mean, mm-hmm. it, but football obviously did as well. What advice would you give to people who are sort of uh, players who are good enough maybe to contemplate that, but it might be it might be tough. They might be bouncing around or they might be scrapping or fighting for that spot. Yeah, like you know? I think number one, you have to love you have to love that sport more than anything in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to love what you do. It takes up so much time. And I mean, my experience at the University of Utah was awesome. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And my experience in the NFL and the CFL and the AFL was awesome. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade it. <clears throat> and uh but I, but I loved it. Yeah. And so, you you know, that's number one. Yeah. And um, there's going to be setbacks, of yeah. course, here and there. I, I had a few. We all have them. But it's that love that will get you through those things. Yeah. Um, again, it's short-lived. But if you love it, play as long as you can. Play yeah. as long as you want, you know, because your body only lasts so long. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and there's life after. That was the hard thing I, I had to deal with was, you know, transitioning from a player to what was, what was I going to be after? Because a lot of people lose their identity. Mm-hmm. You know, and unfortunately, I had a good um, mom and dad that raised me up in, in music, and, and uh, we had a lot of balance. And, and my wife is like the most steady person you'll ever meet in your life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and my kids are quite steady. So I, yeah. you know, I learned, learned from them. But, um, you know, and I, and I have friends that could have played or and didn't, and, uh, and now they're doing really well in business. And so, yeah. you know, I think you can play and then still have you can have it all if you want cool cool thank you so much for doing this really appreciate it it was awesome catching up with John Frank did you guys enjoy that interview I did he's quite quite a a character yeah no he's a funny guy so we had a a great time and I love talking football philosophy with some of the players who have a few years out of the sport and have a little bit of time to reflect on it so grateful to him for talking with us and uh uh, he's going to be watching, uh, hopefully, the Olympus Titans uh, do something special this weekend at the high school playoffs. Our they boss play. has a horse in the race, doesn't he? He does. <laughs> he's got a special teams player, so, you know, go special teams. <laughs> uh, cheer for Mr. Condon at the game. And uh, Kent and I went to, Kent, my boss, uh, we went to East High together and played on some not-so-good teams. <laughs> it's kind of nice to, well, he before, played. Just he, for all of you, that was before East was good. <laughs> uh, for the record, Kent played, I did not. So. <laughs> 
thought I had great seats on the front row. Got to wear a uniform and everything. It was kind of fun. So, yeah. Do you have pictures? I do have one picture of me in uniform at East, but uh, it was not an action shot, believe it or not. So, so uh, what are you guys working on? What are you excited about Utah-wise this week? Well, you know, I had a chance to catch up with Larry Kostowiak, and I went up to basketball practice the other day, and the Utes are excited to get their season uh, started Thursday night against Maine. And then they've got their first big road trip uh, the next Monday at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And uh, taking a young team to a Big Ten venue is a big deal, and they're looking forward to it. And uh, I'll have a pretty good story by my own account. Uh, Monday preview in the game, but I had a chance to catch up with the with the guys and ask them about you know going on that Big Ten road trip. So that'll be big. And you know, Utah basketball is also going to go to Kentucky in the preseason and the uh, tournament in uh, Fullerton and then uh, they have Nevada coming into Salt Lake here on New Year's uh, between Christmas and New Year's so exciting times we'll see how the Utes are they're young they were picked 8th in the conference I think they're going to be vastly better than that but, uh, aren't they always we'll picked to finish really low and then they finish yeah, close to the top and they love that that's a rallying cry but uh, yeah. Amy what have you uh, what do you got so I was, I've been in basketball as well I went up and watched uh, the Utah women practice and uh, have a story in today's paper It's uh, you can find it at DeseretNews.com or you can follow me at Twitter AD on Sports and I tweeted it out um, but it's on uh, uh, Drew Glyton who was uh, she actually got hurt her senior year uh, she's from South Dakota and she was one of Lynn's very first recruits Lynn had been on the job three days when she went to an AAU tournament and found her playing and said I have to have this kid on the team she ends up committing, and then she tears an ACL in her senior season in the semifinals. So she missed the entire year last year, and she uh, if they counted exhibition games, so they had an exhibition game last week against Westminster, and if they counted the stats from that as uh, uh, in the record books, she would have set a record for the number of si- assists in a game. She had 16 assists. Wow. So you know, they I'm... open today at Nevada. Um, she's going to be one to watch. Um, they have about 10 players they're going to try playing with, and they're going to be playing a really fast-paced uh, uh, transition-type basketball, which is super fun to watch if you're a fan. And then their h- home opener is against Alabama on the 13th. That's a big deal wow. to have an SEC team come into Salt Lake City. For sure. They're very excited about it. Well, and it's interesting you talk about assists because I hold all the East High intramural records for fewest <laughs> assists in the game. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe in assists personally. <laughs> I think your assist trophy is right next to mine for most inspirational player. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Let's start a Hall of Fame here at the Desert News. Trent, what have you worked on this week? And. Uh, Want to get people to go to DeseretNews.com and check out. I mean, out. I'm just going to plug my targeting story again. It was just really fun to get into the the emotions behind what football players feel when things go wrong on the field. Lucky Fotu was great, told me a ton. It was, it was interesting. He didn't even know the rules behind targeting. So not only was his call confusing, but he didn't understand anything that had to go along with it. <laughs> so it was just interesting to get to talk to him. Now, well done story, and I think people should go to the website and check it out. All right, while we're promoting things, just a reminder, you can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever fine podcasts are found. We also have an email address, udinsiders at deseretnews.com. You can ask questions. And while you're on our website, jump onto Deseret News Grid Picks and pick the winners of football games each week and win prizes. Amy, have you ever won a prize for picking games? No, I have an abysmal record on grid picks. You don't even want to know. <laughs> Trant, you probably won a, a $50 dollars g- No, I learned as a sixth grader that I was horrible at picking football games. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>